Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast hosted by Kendall and Jackie, and here we talk about everything horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, and the tropes. And we have new episodes released Tuesdays bi-weekly. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Terranova underscore podcast. But also feel free to reach out through email at terranova.pod at gmail.com. And most importantly, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog too. Cujo. <laughs>
Yeah, I used to get charged as a child. People thought I was 10 or like 15. <laughs> and I'm just like, thank you. Yeah, and it's because I'm a vampire. We don't age. <laughs> I just picture you trying to get tickets for a rated R movie and people carding you. They're like, you you too young for this. It's like, I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, like, I'm old parents? enough to be your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my kids that, and it's always true, because their parents are my age, and then I feel weird about it. I'm just like, oh, okay. That's so crazy. No, they do. And they're like, you're older than my mom. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. I'm just like, how old is she? And they're like, oh, she's 33. I'm like, that's that's not okay. Don't tell me that. <laughs> it's only a year. Like, I thought you were going to say, like, 22 or something. Yeah. And they're like, you're the same age as my dad. I'm like, please, please stop. You're making me feel a certain way. <laughs> like please stop <laughs> anyway that, that's true horror before we <laughs> get into the actual movie for the day that is definitely no. horror <laughs> we're sorry <laughs> it's cool it's cool it's uh oh it's officially black history month so whoop whoop I'm always excited for black history month I'm excited for every month to be honest with you because every day I always tell people every day is black history month every, every day is black history month so it is what it is but uh, it's always also cool when it's officially Black History Month. That's always dope, too. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy we're back with another banger. So that's good. And I mean, this is... Who was... Who's, this was my choice or your choice? I don't remember. I think it was my choice because I think I told you... I think this was one of the movies in that long list of recommendations I gave you and you wanted stuff to binge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think this was one of them on there. See, for those who don't know, like uh, Jackie, was, she like a while back, she was like, oh, I want to just binge a bunch of stuff on, like, Shudder and, and, a bu- and every, just everywhere, whatever stuff you could recommend. And I just started typing a list of whatever horror movies came to mind recently that I saw. And then this was one of them. I think I gave you that list, like, almost a year ago now. And this was on it. You were like, it's so good. I was like, yeah, we should do it for the podcast at some point. So here we are. And um, it's, like, one of those movies that um, it's, like, beyond more than a horror. That's I, Before we get really into it, like, this is why I love horror as a as a genre, mm-hmm. because I know we talk about it all the time here, and I know people will love to say like, "Oh yeah, I'm a horror fan. I'm into horror. I'm into horror." But when you mention certain films or certain titles, even like this one in particular, <clears throat> it's quick to be dismissed as in, "Well, it's not really scary. It's not really this. It's not really that." And it's like, well, horror is not just blood, guts, gore, slashers. You know, ghosts in your face. Like, it's not always that. Horror is also something real. Something very real. And this movie highlights that. It talks about it in a very tragic and beautiful and metaphorical way. Which I feel like that's where horror is going now. The direction where everything now is trauma-based. Because trauma is horror. Healing yeah. is horror. People don't talk about that enough, but the healing process is also horrifying. I feel like it's definitely perfect as well to do it for. I mean, we can do this for any other month as well, but for this month, like, you know, we try to do movies that tie to the month, you know, with it being Black History Month, which again, yeah, it try. is every day, every damn day, you know. But this definitely, I feel, was important to do for this month as well. You know, and what we're going to be talking about is uh, Netflix film, His House. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> yeah, this movie's fucking dope. Uh, 
I think that's pretty mm-hmm. obvious, giving out the gate. I can just say that <laughs> before we forget impressions or anything. The movie's just dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for the most part, me and Jackie kind of do movies that we feel like either one of us have seen or the other may not have seen, or sometimes movies that we've both seen. This is one we've both already seen, which is cool. But, you know, uh, we try to keep it relatively light here so we don't be picking movies to just slam them. <laughs> so, so you already know you're going to get a little, bit, a little bit of, we love this movie, so it is what it is. But I'll hop right into the summary so we can get into all the juicy themes and details and metaphors and all that stuff that this movie has a ton of. So, as Jackie highlighted, the movie is called His House, 2020 Netflix movie. Really awesome. From a first-time director as well. First time director as well. Let me let me grab his name. Let me make sure I say it properly. Or as properly as I could. <laughs> the director is Remy Weeks. Yeah, yeah that's, Remy why, Weeks. that's why I read it too. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be like the director. Some of these actors in this and actresses I've seen in other stuff, which is awesome. So I was like, oh, I remember this person for some other things I've seen, so that was great. But uh, I guess like the short of the story is basically this, cu- this refugee couple from South Sudan. They get an opportunity through immigration to move to be placed to end the united kingdom uh they kind of most likely hint at it being london so this uh yeah south sudan couple gets placed there after like their tragic i guess you could say story or beginnings in some way from when they're coming from their country and some of the adventures they had to go through to even get to the point where they could be placed somewhere else as refugees and as asylum seekers or some people say it's just a lot of different terms for it um they get placed at this kind of like somewhat broken down house that people love to highlight is bigger than everyone else's house <laughs> for, some, for some weird reason. But the house, you know, it could definitely use some work. They get placed there and they, you know, it's a, it's a story of immigration. So they start dealing with, uh, you know, what is it like to assimilate, right? Like they start dealing with like, how do they fit in the community? How would they be like, you know, the good ones, as people like to say? How do they do all of these things? And like, in set of, for a set amount of time so that they can eventually, you know, get citizenship or get like permanent placement there and not have to go back to their country and the couple is a uh, very unique cause it's a man and a woman they had a child but the child died, passed a year prior to this uh you get they get you get into the details of what happened exactly as the story goes on so you, you're mainly just following these two dealing with their day-to-day and you know clean, trying to clean up the house trying to make the house a home all of the things that come with that trying to fit it in a community whether it's the husband wearing polo shirts like he's from britain or using forks in place of like eating food with their hands as they did culturally so yes yeah, kind of a story of assimilation but it also has like a supernatural element of it has a realistic element of like the immigration and what is it like to fit in but then it also has a supernatural element of like what are the people you what happens to the people you live left behind this has some hints of like survivor's guilt some hints of like just general guilt from like surviving such traumatic situations and the house kind of is a manifestation of that in a lot of ways through like them the husband seeing their daughter that passed running through the house trying to attack him or scare him seeing other people that they possibly encountered along the way trying to attack him and scare him he's seeing stuff his wife is seeing stuff which is really interesting element because it's not just one of those movies where one person is dealing with seeing spirits and the other person's like what the hell's wrong with you like it's not that kind of film it's definitely a lot more of like they're both seeing stuff. What they're seeing is different, but they're both seeing stuff and they're both, you know, in their own ways trying to move forward beyond what they've dealt with to get to that point because they don't want to go back, but at the same time trying to come to a realization about what they have dealt with. Um, so it's really interesting. They have uh, Matt Smith. He's in it. 
he is like you could say the social worker in a lot of ways. He checks up on them, make sure that things are going well. So you know he doesn't have this in the back, and that they're like properly fitting in the community. Which a lot of questions marks about what their definition of fitting into community is. But that's all intentional, right? Because it's a part of a, it's a story of immigration, so that's a part of it. Um, yeah. So the husband's dealing with seeing a bunch of things. The wife is dealing with seeing with a bunch of things. It drastically ranges. Sometimes he sees this creature. Sometimes he sees this kid running throughout the house. Sometimes he sees holes in the walls that aren't there. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he ends up creating holes in the walls, and he sees the things that he was seeing before running throughout the house. It's yeah, it's, it's a large range of stuff. It's a it's a battle of is the house cursed? Are they cursed? Is their existence a curse? Are the items cursed? It's a it, it the movie gives you a lot of questions and some answers, but uh, it seems like the in a lot of ways the questions are almost more important than the answers, and that's something I actually really like about this movie. And uh, I guess to fast forward quickly to the end, because um, we'll get into the details of it as we talk through it. The after all of the back and forth about whether they're cursed, whether they're not cursed, how can they fit in, how can they move forward, the demon or spirit or witch, whichever you prefer to use, trying to kind of comes to them, kind of comes to the wife and tells her like, hey, you can get your you can get your daughter back, uh, but you, but you have to cut your husband. Like you'd have to sever his flesh for me to take. It doesn't exactly into details of it, but it's like, hey, you sever his flesh and I'll be able to bring your daughter back to you. Just give me him and we'll bring your daughter back. Um, because that's clearly something that was missing, not just well in their life, but in some ways you could argue almost more in her life. Because one of the big reveals with the movie is that the daughter that is their daughter that passed is not like their blood daughter. It is a random child that they grabbed while trying to escape from South Sudan to, like, get on this bus. The lady leading the bus uh, very bluntly was like, hey, the bus is full. Unless you have children, I cannot allow you on. And the husband, in desperation, grabbed the nearest child and was like, hey, she's a child. This is our child. Let us on the bus. And they literally, basically, literally stole a kid from another woman who was like, who later pops up in that same scene and was like, where's my daughter? And then the, the, the daughter is screaming for the mom and the husband's kind of trying to so all the people who took her trying to kind of hold the kid in place, like, hey, it's like, stop making so much of a fuss. So people kind of realize that it's not their kid, but at the same time, everyone's trying to escape. So I guess it's not really like the time to judge. Um, and you find out later in the past, later in their journey along the way, is that that daughter died. Um, the mother, well, <laughs> I'm calling the mother, but like the, the ones that took her in, Bull and Rael, uh, they're the couple that took, took her in. Well, also you got kind of argue kidnapped, but took her in. Uh, did they promise to protect her but along the way there was a really bad storm while they were trying to get away on this boat and she drowned and Boyle saved Ryall and they kind of let him go so it's like a really interesting conflict where it's the the mother Ryall is like kind of you know she doesn't she doesn't forget what happened she's she's happy for an opportunity to you know try a new beginning but she doesn't forget what happened and she, she carries it, but not in like an, I wouldn't say a negative way. She just carries it in a way that you like culture. Some cultures do. And the husband in some ways is like kind of trying to move beyond it. Uh, I think at first he kind of doesn't necessarily see the kid as his kid. He just kind of saw the kid as like something they had to do to move forward. Yeah. It was just their way out. So it's like a really interesting conflict there. And you can kind of see the differences in that and the way the spirits approach them. So the spirits tend to approach her and talk to her about her kid and talk to her about like, you know, what she's missing, almost like in a tender, nurturing way. Meanwhile, when they talk to him, it's like a lot more violent, a lot more like 
in his face, in your face, like, remember me, motherfucker. Like, that's definitely the energy <laughs> that the spirit is giving off. So drastically different approaches. He's in denial about seeing them. The, the, his wife, Raelle, is totally not in denial about seeing them. And that seems to be also a part of the conflict between them and the spirit is that he's trying to act like it's not happening. And she's like, it's clearly happening to you. But if you if you accepted that and, and helped with helped me help you deal with this, we could move through this. But since you're denying it, the shit is just going to get worse to the point where the spirit even had to tell her, like, he's the real danger, not the spirit itself. So, yeah, very, very interesting. It's like a cross of cultures. Like, think about bringing your culture to a new land. No one in your new land probably understands your culture. So you would look crazy if you described it to them. But at the same time, you couldn't you can't just leave your culture or what you know behind simply because you're physically in a new location. So it's, it's a really interesting and emotional concept. And, uh, yeah, very, very well done movie. If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. But I guess that's like the broadest <laughs> summary i can give you oh and it basically ends with uh they once they kind of the husband kind of accepts ball he kind of accepts that like he is at fault for the child's loss for the child dying and that he should have saved the child instead and his wife agrees because she's like we did kind of you know not only did we take the child we said that we were going to protect it protect the child so that she agrees to let the spirit take him. She didn't even have to do anything. He cut himself to let the spirit come in and take him because he felt like it was worth sacrificing himself. And then eventually, she, and during the scene, she kind of comes to the realization like he shouldn't sacrifice himself. It was all an unfortunate situation. Everyone's trying to survive. And it's unfortunate they lost their daughter, but dying isn't going to like heal that wound. So she literally cuts the spirit's throat. <laughs> and then they get they get visited by the... The caseworkers the next day, they come in to see the house, which is a little bit better than it was prior with all the holes and shit in the wall. <laughs> now the house is kind of patched up a little bit better. And uh, they seem to be doing a lot better. So the caseworkers kind of let them go. And Matt Smith playing like one of the main caseworkers is kind of like, do you still see your daughter, basically? And he's like, he kind of, he finally kind of comes to the realization and he's just like, yeah, like I do. But like my wife cut the spirit's throat and I realized... The people we meet in our lives and the things we lose, they become ghosts that follow us, and we can't just ignore them. Like in some ways, they're yeah. part of who we are. Yeah, that whole so monologue like a beautiful, was tragic beautiful ending. at the end. Yep, that's the whole movie. Well, well done. Woo! Thank you. I did it in under an hour. Let's go. <laughs> first impressions, Jackie. What well, second impressions? This is the second time we saw it. The first. It's funny. I think. Um. I think Violet was the one that first mentioned it. Either Violet or Melissa. When we had the Feminism and Horror podcast mm -hmm. uh, episode, I think that was a time when his house came out. And I think either Violet or Melissa, shout out to you, you know, beautiful people, talked about it, said that how his house was just such a beautiful, sad movie. And um, when I finally watched it for the first time, last, I think last year I saw it <clears throat> for the first time, I was just like, oh my god, so beautiful, so sad, and just so real and raw, and then to turn it into a ghost story, I think was the most interesting part of it all, because like, it's a ghost story, but at the same time, it's not a ghost story, because it's something based on reality, yeah. and then to watch it a second time. And it's funny because I watched it. I told Kendall this. I watched it before I had to go into work. And we've been doing Black History Month at school. You know, telling the kids about that. Some of the kids 
don't really mm-hmm. they know but don't know because you know as as everyone who's listening knows that when it comes to ed- the education system they black out certain things from the books from textbooks they don't want to like talk about because black history month and then the whole thing with you know um especially even like spanish history those two things are omitted from the textbooks because that's like the biggest like shameful things that america that happened with americans or whatever but watching a second time it still gave me that like my chest hurt feeling you know like it's still so painful it's still so much and again to turn something like something that's real and then put like a little like oh they're being chased by something it's a ghost is this is that it's just so interesting and it is very smart the way they did it because you're fusing in something that again like you can tell they were suffering from ptsd of trying to leave a war-torn place you know that was war all the time you know and then having to go through hoops and ladders and all this stuff just to like get some type of salvation and then that get them given like oh you're gonna be in probation for a bit because yes you're quote unquote the good ones i'm gonna give you this home but you can't do this you can't do that you can't spend this amount you can't get this thing but just 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 enjoy yourself being in a house for x amount of days until we decide yeah. if you're staying permanently or we're sending you back. And then to be haunted by something. And I love how um, Rael did tell Bo, like, it. no, I think Bo was the one. That, they both kind of realized that, that something did follow them back. They were like, we're not alone. Something followed us. Bo was just like, all our items are cursed. We got to get rid of everything. But Rael was just like, this is not a life we're supposed to have. We're not supposed to have this life. This yeah. is a life that we stole. And then the more you think about it, the more as a viewer, before you find out the reveal, you're just like, what What's she talking about? Like, what do you mean? Is it because she feels guilty, which is a survival guilt thing? Did she feel guilty that you survived? You're feeling this, you're feeling that. And then you see what she really means, which it's both survival guilt that they made it. But at the same time, it's like they stole a whole child as a memes to survive yeah and you know we see those memes about titanic when this piece of shit did it where he was like it's a child it's a child just to get on the boat to escape mm-hmm. but this was different <laughs> this is different because you know it goes back to the whole what are you willing to do to survive like what lengths are you willing to go past to survive something to make it out alive and when you're in that situation I couldn't imagine how people feel. You're willing to do anything to get out. Anything. Even if it's risky, even if it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, it was that. You know, the bus was just like, we don't have space, only for women and children. You know, I mean, only for, you know, people with children. That, that's all we're taking. And yeah, they got desperate and they were like, oh, here's a, here's a child. You know, she's a child. She counts. Let us in. And it was just so heartbreaking her mother like knowing that she's left behind to die while her mother her daughter yes she's surviving but without her actual mother with these two strangers she has no idea who they are and then dying at sea which 
we always hear those stories about immigration of like even people who are interviewed about what the process is what it's like people who escape tyrannies people who escape like war-torn countries and whatnot sometimes they well most of the time they do travel through sea they have to pass the sea an ocean or whatever mm-hmm. to get through land and there's always those horror stories of like yeah i've seen this amount of people drown i watched my family drown i watched this person drown and at the moment you couldn't imagine what they feel of like how like i survived but they didn't why am i here yeah. why am i here and they're not and again i just love how the movie did that because they took something real something that to this day is still happening with immigration still happening you know it's just so insane like oh the first that line with matt smith when he when you know they showed him the house and he was just like oh just make it easy on people be the good ones when he said that i was just like oh i couldn't imagine (laughs) how many times people have heard that when they're having like um what would they what they said um uh, there's a word for it where like they're on probation but there's a specific word for it too when they're like they're staying somewhere temporarily until like the immigration laws see that how they're best fit and they're here permanently i forgot the word assimilation exactly, you don't want that yeah 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 and i couldn't imagine how many times people have heard that saying or strive to be like to fit in meaning like okay if that i mean we know it happens here a lot and we know it happens a lot yeah, everywhere. In UK, everywhere and i couldn't imagine where they have to like force themselves to fit in by talking the language acting like acting like everyone else you know if you're in the uk like how uk can i be how uk do i have to be <laughs> you know like that's the thing you know how american do i have to be to show that i belong here you know how australian do i have to be so i show that i belong there and so on and it's just like it's it is a struggle because then you're there like, do I erase my culture? Do yeah. I belittle it? Do I hide it? Do I show it? How much can I show of it? How much of it is going to be accepted? How much of it is going to be like approved and not be seen as an, oh, go back, go back. And it's, it's so disheartening when she found those, um, those three black UK boys. Yeah. And she figured, oh, you look like me. Maybe you understand me. You, you be sympathetic with me. But instead... They were just like, oh, go back to Africa, go back to this, making, you know, fun of her, you know, mocking yeah. her and whatnot. And that kind of goes into um, internal racism, which happens a lot in our culture. And is again, it's just uh, the experience that we're going through is just so real. And it's just so heartbreaking as a viewer, because, you know, that's something that actually happens, <laughs> you know, like, um do yeah. walls really peel off the the you know the wallpaper really peel off the walls no but again that's their mind with the survival guilt that's their mind with the ptsd that's their mind knowing that how mm-hmm. they got there on someone else's expense not on their own you know they sacrificed yeah. a child to have some type of like safe haven and i'm not saying everyone does that but this movie dictates that they dictates that but it's something that's real reality you know where your means of survival meaning that you're gonna watch your peers and family die in the process just to survive somewhere else or try to escape you know try to you know find some type of safe haven and then uh then not want to go back to where it's the most dangerous places you know that happens in everywhere you know south america 
you know, that's an example. Central America, not so much, mm-hmm. well, sometimes Central America, even the, some parts of the Caribbean aren't dangerous. You know, everywhere is like that. And it's really sad. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, I don't know what it's like to immigrate to another country. Like, I've considered it. I've had a lot of conversations with people. They'd be like, you haven't lived in other countries? And I'm like, man, you don't know how hard it is to try to get into another country. <laughs> like, people <laughs> who try to have that kind of, like, it is not easy to just be like, I'm out this, fuck this, I'm out this country, I'm going somewhere else. It's a process. Um, mm-hmm. And a process I've considered, you know, and a lot of times, and did some research and was like, man, shit, could be a headache. But even I feel like even then that process is very different than someone who's like, you know, trying to escape war or tyranny or some shit or dictatorship or something like that. That's a extremely different type of like immigration process. At least that's 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 what I feel. And from some of the stuff I've seen, it sounds like an entirely different process um, versus Mm -hmm. like somebody who like who just probably lives in America and like wants to go live in the UK. Like the immigration is very different and probably viewed very different differently as well. So, yeah, everything that they were dealing with was very real. Lots of problems. Not easy to think about. And the, the assimilation aspect of it, I know that's something. Clearly, this speech that they say, they give the whole be one of the good ones. You know, that's a speech they probably say to every goddamn person who comes mm-hmm. through there because they just, they, I don't, the whole thing, the whole idea of assimilation on the surface does not sound terrible. Like the idea of fitting into a society does not sound terrible. But I think it's really like the practice of it that makes it questionable, because if you're bringing in refugees to live in your country, right, you're bringing in someone like like if someone, you know, like, you know, that they were like they're a refugee because they're escaping from somewhere, whether it's because of war crimes or something wild as fuck. You have like you can't neglect the fact that these people dealt with something. So if you know that these people dealt with something, just giving them a home somewhere else like is a good start. But like. I don't know. You don't think you need some level of like empathy to deal with the fact that these people dealt with some shit. <laughs> like you, like you can't just drop somebody somewhere and be like, "You good now?" Nobody's hunting you down anymore. It's like, yeah, but they're in some ways their shadow is hunt, hunting them down because they don't forget not where even, they came from. And not even that. Like you saw how like where they were. Um, Matt Smith character. Um, was his name? I know. His, I think his name was Mark. Um, yeah. He put them in a particular area that's primarily white. That's one thing we have there to do as well. There is that, yes. Because the neighbors, I remember he was just like, oh, have, like, you know, talk to your neighbors, do this, a church there, there's this, you know, doctor here, and blah, 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 blah. But majority of people that they met, minus the church people who were nice to donate things, the refugees, but they were white and their elderly neighbor was such a bitch you know just staring oh, yeah. at she them like, judging and was just like oh you're gonna just just go just leave you won't i'll give it 10 days it's like what like yeah. excuse you like i will like take your dog <laughs> reclaim it as mine take your damn wig too probably is a wig i don't give a fuck I'll it probably is i think part yeah. of that was also the fact that that house seemed like that was like the immigration house it was like cool this is the house we send people to and we're gonna give them a shot the house has some things going on on the outside and a little bit on the inside, but mm-hmm. part of it, some of it makes you wonder, like, for the how people many people who were, been there? Exactly. How many people have passed through the way people have passed through? Because at some point, you probably got a question that the people who live in the neighborhood have seen so many people who come in and out. That is probably known as the immigration house on a block. So anyone who lives there, they're like, oh, this is the immigrant who's trying to figure shit out. 
and whether they deal with them directly or not because the person is kind of marked that probably changed the way they interact with them whether the person looks like them or not like you know especially for someone like coming from like Africa or something like that you from you coming from a place where everybody looks like you to a place where you're mostly surrounded by people who don't look like you like whether you whether that's black to white or white to black that's jarring as fuck especially they don't speak your language either like you have a different language you got different cultures like remember when the social worker came through and he was like she's wearing a bed sheet as like a dress like what the fuck and it's like dude have you never heard about the countries doing that <laughs> yeah, that's a culture thing that's how they normally dress exactly like, i'm like you never heard of that before like like it's weird you place the people here you know where they came from but you didn't care to understand where they came from like and and you know Rael, who's honestly probably one of the best written characters I've seen in the movie in general in a long time. Like especially like as a woman, um, like you know she in a lot of ways was responsible for like vo- vocally moving the story forward in a lot of ways because her perspective was so different from Bo, her husband. Like you know he was very much like she made it clear she was like yeah you idolize in the Senate third. Granted. That discussion is could be different because I could, I could kind of understand some level of idealization on his part where he's just like they didn't have to deal with the shit we had to deal with, so he's kind of looking at you know with the culture that they're living in now as an opportunity to be brand new and be like yo we could forget all that pain we suffered, but for, but the mm-hmm. the speech that she gave was pretty great where she was just like you know they look at us like we're weak, but they don't even consider the shit that we've gone through to get to this point, like they wouldn't survive a third of what we've gone through, like they're the actual weak ones they see us as beasts but they're the ones who are weak as fuck. Mm-hmm. not just she's that. like they don't know anything and i was like yeah yeah girl give him that speech <laughs> yeah like not not just that but she was also more like spiritually aware mm-hmm. about what was happening as well like he was just like freaking out like oh this is, blah, 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 this is our house blah blah like not just the fact that he wanted to like move on but some hints of like denial as well of like no we got here because we got here through ourselves we got her we deserve yeah. it we got here because we we worked for this where for her with the cultural stuff you know spiritually she's like no and that's why she wasn't so like afraid of what she was seeing you know because she knew okay something did follow us i'm trying to figure out what that is and then when she realized what it was she wasn't afraid of it more so where it was just her like okay we need to confront it now like we have to confront the elephant in the room that line she said to him when she was like, yo, I, I've heard the noises. I see all of this shit, but I've seen what man is capable of. So no ghost would scare me. Like, do you think I really have a reason to be afraid of ghosts after the shit that I've seen? I was sitting there like bars, motherfucker. Bars. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Because like as as much as, you know, for every culture, we have our own ways of like um, talking to our ancestors, you know, worshiping them, praying to them and asking them for help and whatnot. You know, especially for like, you know, for my culture, Spanish culture, you know, whether you're Puerto mm-hmm. Rican like myself or Mexican or anywhere else. There's a thing where, yeah, like you should not fear the dead. Not really. You should learn. Ask them questions, but you should never fear them. You know, fear who sends them because mm-hmm. that's flesh. Flesh is doing that. Not just a ghost yeah. on a whim, but like, ha ha ha, here I am to haunt you or here I am to like, you know, I don't know, like be a cat and toss your cup down the floor no like <laughs> flesh sent that flesh did that not something spiritual you know and i love that they kept that as well where again like again i'm going to emphasize the fact that this is a real movie based on real things 
written and spoke about in a term of like of a ghost story, which is not a ghost story, but it kind of comes off as one, you know? And I love the fact that we have a character who's not frightened by it, who understands it, who wants you to confront it with her versus someone like Bo, who is just like, no, this is, this is our house. This is my house. We, we worked for this. We did this. We earned this. We did this. Like it, it freaked me out when he was like locking her in. Where he was like, "You're yeah. not leaving. You're never. You're never gonna leave. We're never gonna leave. We're in this house for good." And that part, like, kind of made me like really concerned. I'm just like, "Oh no, he went crazy." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the, the spirits warned her that he would be the danger. Yeah, and it wasn't like I'm not saying like he went crazy in a negative way. Where whereas his in denial and his frustrations about the situation and him like running from it is what kind of made him snap a bit where he is he is aware what's happening but he doesn't want to confront it like she is and when the time finally comes where he's like okay yeah i fucked up this was my fault i did this i decided to do this on a whim because i was scared and i wanted to survive i should have never done this i should have never let her drown i should have never blah 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 blah. it's like okay cool i'm glad you finally did it i'm glad you finally like acknowledged it but where are we now? We're trapped in a damn house with this old demon, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I, you know. I think he looked at it like uh, if he confronted the past, it would take him backwards. Whereas she was like confronting, it would actually move us forward. Like it was, it was just his outlook more than anything else that was tormenting him, which is why I think I think the spirit was interacting with them differently for that very reason, because of their outlooks on the, the situation, which is a really compelling and emotionally interesting way to tell a fucking story because every time he's dealing with some shit you can kind of imagine her upstairs like did that motherfucker go again like <laughs> i know the hammering of the walls making the holes yeah. yelling like this is our house this is my house like when she <laughs> when she went when the when the was it when the caseworkers came after he went down there he was acting strange and they came and they saw the house all fucked up and he was like yeah i can fix this i can fix this and his wife came in there and was just like oh did you not tell them about the witch and everyone looked at him like, fuck she talking about? He was like, oh, my, we have a witch. And my husband is down here chasing it with a hammer, thinking it's going to fix the situation. <laughs> I was like, yo, this, this, is, this shouldn't be funny, but it's hilarious the way she said it. Because she was delivering bars with the, the extreme calmness of just like, motherfucker, you should know how we have to deal with this. Like, these people don't need to understand our culture and know that we know what we're dealing with. That story that she told him about the uh about the honorable poor man in her town was amazing and actually kind of mm-hmm. made me cha- uh, listening to it this time kind of made me change some aspects of like how i view certain parts of the movie but uh for those who have not seen it she told her husband a story like around the time they had like one of their first dinners in a new house and she was saying yeah her mother told her about the story about this honorable poor man in a village and had he he wanted so desperately to build his own wealth and build his own riches and he he stole something. He stole something from somebody. He started stealing stuff from all types of people to build his own build his own house. And then one time he stole something, and he didn't realize the the man that he stole one was a, was a night witch. I forgot the name of the term that she said. I think she said like ap path, uh, which in yeah, the culture means like a night witch. Yeah, I think I wrote it down, but I I forgot exactly what she said. I think she said like a path or something like that. Like for a second it sounds like empath, but it's not. It was like path. It was like a p e t h. She was like he was a night witch, and. The guy who stole from him did was not aware that the guy was a night witch and the dude cursed him and he built this new house and he had all of these riches. But what he didn't realize was that the night witch lived there with him everywhere. He, he like he lived in that house with him. Everything he built 
that Nightwish basically built with him and was always a part of him, and he never could escape it. And, you know, when she's telling her husband this, you can see in his face that he's slowly realizing some of the shit that he's already seen. And she said to him really beautifully, she's like, I didn't realize until this moment that you were a liar. Because he's trying not to say out loud. He never said out loud what he saw or that he saw anything. But she can tell by the look in his face that he's been seeing shit. <laughs> he's just yeah. trying not to acknowledge it. Even when they were in the, um, what is it? The um, immigration house. They were housing mm-hmm. him in the rooms when he was having the nightmare. And yeah, oh yeah, yeah. When he woke when up. When she woke yeah. him up and he, she was just like, you were dreaming, I could tell. What was it about? And he was just like, oh, our wedding day. He was, she was like, that explains the scream. But she knew. She knew that wasn't what he was dreaming about. Because mm-hmm. he was seeing things. He was seeing um, the daughter, uh, Nayakak, I believe was her name. Um, yeah, I forgot how to say it. And he was seeing the Night Witch, and he was seeing all that stuff, but he didn't want to admit it. Because again, he was in denial. He was just like, nope. I we came here on our own free will. We came here through our hard work. We survived. We did this. We made it. You know, every time she tried to bring her up, he was like, "She's dead. Like she's gone. Yeah. We're here. She's dead." And it's just like, bro, like, okay, she's dead, but at what expense? Yeah, like you were, own? you were part of, you were responsible for it. Like you were part of it. Like, granted, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna say because she died in the in the in the when the boat got flooded because it was out in the boat during a bad storm. So. I'm not gonna say that the man was Michael Phelps and he could have went back there, got his wife, then got her, and, and all. I'm not saying he could or couldn't do that. However, he, you, you are part of the this this kid's demise, so uh, that's why it's weighing on you. Even though you're trying not to say that it's weighing on you, and, and your wife can clearly see that it is weighing on you. But you just think if you just you know put on your polo <laughs> and act like shit ain't running through your walls, then everything is Gucci. <laughs> it is not Gucci, sir. Yeah, I mean, ugh. I think my favorite scene was when, like, beautifully done was when they were locked inside and the night wish, the night witch, like, really did his, like, shit on both of them. Where she thought she became free, she opened the door and she was leaving, but then it mm-hmm. transitioned to her being back home before everything happened and she saw, like, her aunt, yeah. she saw her family. They were doing like their beautiful tribal songs and just hanging around. And she's asking them like, where's my daughter? Where's my baby? And then she and that's when you got the vision of what really happened. Because at that moment, she forgot who she was. She was like, where's my daughter? And they're just looking at her like, you don't have a daughter. What are you talking about? And like they made her like revisit Mm -hmm. that whole sequence of like when they were hiding from the regime when they were like about to like you know run away go to the bus the whole thing like we can't accept you child you know we need a child and a family and the child surviving you know any means the drowning the fact that he did have like you know he could either save her or the daughter but he chose to save his wife um because she was trying to swim to save her he was she was trying to go yeah. to save the girl um that's why she was like let go of me like you know i gotta save her um and then when she finally realized it she came back to that same room they touched her belly and they were like no like you never had a daughter and that's when she realized it like oh my god she really was never mind like she forgot at that second moment and then you know she remembered where she was the trauma the deaths and all this stuff and yeah i think that's my favorite sequence because of how raw and just tragic it is and i'm not saying like, yeah, I wept like a baby. i'm a sick person but 
before someone was like, I you're wept like a baby. I started crying like a baby when that scene popped up. I was sitting there watching yeah, the stage. I was like, I like this movie, but I actually forgot how emotionally heavy some parts of this is. Yeah. I was, just, I was crying like a baby. <laughs> I was crying was hard. Like, it was just so beautiful because at that moment, she too, for a quick second, forgot that, that she also wasn't their child. You know, she was so like, I think because they stole her, but she, I guess she became peace with the fact that, okay, we took her. So we're going to treat her as if she's our child, but she really yeah. fell into that role where like, this is my daughter, you know, and kind of like not denied, not in, was in denial, but mentally. And I mean, this happens a lot to mothers where like they don't have a child themselves, whatever child they have, they tend to have this, the mother instinct come in and they're like, this is my child now. This is my child, you know, even when they're not their child. And I think for that split second, yeah, she forgot. Or, like, felt like, wait, I'm here, but where is she? And then having to have that vision. Because she knew it was a vision, too. She was like, I know this isn't real. Yeah. I know this isn't real. I know this, is a, this isn't my dream. This is my mind. But I guess hoping to see her daughter in there. And then having to have her mind yeah. or the Night Witch even confirm, like, she was never here to begin with. She was never here. She was never in your memory. She was never, she never existed, in a sense. And that, like, gave her realization, like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, like, shit. <laughs> and that was just so, like, oh, such good acting, man. Because, oh, oh, God. for sure. Very, very good acting. Very super emotional. Like, that shit hit, like, a ton of bricks. And you're just like, oh, man, uh, this shit is, uh, this is heavy. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you know, some of what they dealt with throughout the course of the story, they leak it to you. But when they give you, like, the full piece. I was like, man, it actually reminded me a lot of when I saw uh, Hotel Rwanda. I don't know if you remember that movie with Don Chino. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, I had to see that shit in my, like, uh, what was it, uh, 11th grade English class? They showed us mm -hmm. that movie. I don't know why that woman showed us that movie. Everybody in the classroom crying like hell, like, yo, this is crazy as fuck, man. <laughs> like, what is going on, man? Like, I came here for Don Chino, but I didn't know it was going to be all this. Uh, yeah. Man, you've never seen that movie. Yeah, that movie is an emotional wreckage. It is a lot happening there and uh it sounds like from the little bit that riel told us it sounded like it was a bit of a same when she was talking to the nurse she says uh yeah well i grew up because she had like markings like next to her eye and uh she had markings on her arm and the uh the nurse yeah. was like oh that looks that looks nice the ones you have i think she had one she had on her face and she was like yeah well i grew up they were just tribes fighting they actually butchered my entire family killed everyone and they had markings to like let you know what tribe they they aligned with, and I thought the safest thing to do was to mark myself with the the brands of both tribes, so I belong nowhere to survive. And the nurse was just kind of speechless, like, "Damn!" It was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a lot of information, lady. <laughs> that is a lot. There's a mm -hmm. lot going on there that like I would have never considered. Like, I'm sure the yeah. lady who was a nurse probably dealt with tons of refugees. She seemed like a fairly, fairly nice lady." she was like holy shit that is a ooh, that's a lot yeah. yeah like that was just like oh and then and then when um the neck the necklace she wore to and she because what was it yeah she was asking about her daughter and she was just like oh yeah my daughter's a she's a she's crazy she's a handful she doesn't that and then she was just like we lost her at sea and um her face was just crazy yeah the lady was like oh dope man that's a lot a lot you're dealing with a lot <laughs> a lot that i couldn't even imagine and i think that's really like the moral of the story at the end of the day for like 
for this kind of story and what they're saying. It's like if people, refugees, asylum seekers, whatever the fuck you want to call them, uh, people are seeking to escape something most, most oftentimes. Like when you hear mm-hmm. these stories about people, you know, going across the border and all that stuff, it's like, yo, somebody, they're escaping something or they're trying to escape something. Whether you think it's something worth escaping or not is not really for you to say. Because, you know, people come up with all types of dumb excuses. Oh, people coming over here for jobs. They coming over for this. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what people are trying to escape, right? Like, shit, remember, mm-hmm. how many years ago was it? God, at this point, I, that shit just popped into my head. But I forgot how many years ago it was, and they had that really sad picture. Remember that kid who died on the beach? Yeah, I didn't talk about. Yeah, I, I think years it was on, ago like, magazine covers. It was a few years, yeah. I remember it was a... Mm-hmm. It was a few years, and people were like, "Oh my God, this is terrible." It's like, yeah, these man. I don't think any. I don't think most people want to just generally pack all their shit and just be like, "I'm out. I'm never coming back." Like, at least not in haste. I'm sure some people just move to different countries, and that's cool. But I don't think the average person is just like, "All right, let's do this shit right now," because I ain't never coming back here. Like, people dealing with something, man. Whether it's a government that's a damn near dictatorship or a crazy leader or war like people were dealing with something man like when these bombs and these bullets and these shits go off somebody getting hit and this is an unfortunate reality of this stuff and it's it's easy to not think about because luckily we live in a country well in some ways we live in a country that doesn't have that stuff but i I was thinking about it while i was watching this movie i like don't be saying we live in a no this yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking about it while I was watching this movie. I was like, in some ways, we don't deal with that, but the way some of this mass shooting stuff shit is happening is starting to feel like that. Like I do Not remember even watching that. Die on top of like uh, laws taken away. Oh yeah, know? for sure. Because I've always said, sure. I said that how I feel like America, like especially here in New York, I feel like New York is really is gonna be just a city full of white people only. That's it. You know, especially the country as a whole, where a lot of these laws oh definitely favor yeah. one over the other, and it is gonna feel it does feel that way. It does feel like we need to pack up and leave. Like, where do we go? That's safe. You know, you can yeah, imagine for, sure. for it is for like people like you know in this movie or anywhere else. You know, where is this like? Where do they go to feel safe? Where do they find asylum at? Like, where do they go? You know, and then you have people here who are very ignorant to that procedure, ignorant to that process, where they're like, oh, go back. Like you said, like, oh, they're taking on jobs, they're going to do this. But are you willing to do the jobs they're willing to do? Like, they're taking up jobs that you don't even want, that you're complaining about. Like, oh, it doesn't pay, it doesn't pay, this doesn't pay that, blah, 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 blah. Where you have people who literally come from nothing, who are willing to take whatever, whatever they can to make ends meet to prove that how they're quote unquote the good ones. You know, and it's yeah. just like, what are you willing to do? Because it's true. It's true what Rayal said. If we think that realistically, if that were to happen here, God forbid, if it were ever to happen here, where we would have to pack our shit, not even pack our shit, just pack one thing and leave right away, then people would not survive because people are, especially here in the States, and I'm sorry, not sorry, we are the most selfish people ever to exist in this, in this whole country. We are very selfish. We are extremely selfish. It wouldn't be yeah. a matter of like children only or women or this or that. No, we'll kill for a spot to be in a bus, kill for a spot to be in a bus, pay someone off, pay this or even money won't even matter. We're very selfish and no one will be able to survive. So to be ignorant to the process, to be cold about the process, like why are they coming here? Oh, I bet it's not that bad. I bet just do the right thing. We do that here and yet we pay the consequences for even doing the right thing. 
what's the difference? What's the difference? You, you are right. You, you you get an argument from me about that. You are right. Uh, even you took it even further than I was even considering it because I was I was thinking of the just the the plain violence area of it, the violence level of it. Because you know, like I said, when I was thinking of like Hotel Rwanda while watching this movie, for those who have not seen that movie. It is uh, very brutally honest in terms of the violence that it shows. Cause it's talking about two different tribes that were at war. And uh, the violence was like very extreme. It was like, you can be of the proper tribe that's invaded in the town, but if your neighbor's not, people, the, the other tribe would just go over there and just blatantly like just shoot everybody in the face or chop them up. And uh, this movie showed a little bit, a tiny bit of that to give you an idea of like what they're trying to escape. And, mm-hmm. you know, something like that is jarring. It's jarring in the movie. Let alone if you saw something like that in real life. Like, that would be extremely jarring and traumatic. But it's jarring in a movie. And, you know, I feel like oftentimes when people talk about, as people like to say, third world countries and all that shit, which I feel like it's, like, just inherently a fucked up term. But uh, but people who do say that, be like, oh, you know, th- we're not a third world country and this and the third. And they think we of are, that though. type of stuff where someone just kind of runs into a place and kills everybody. Um, I'm, I'm saying before that stuff used to feel really foreign and feel like something that couldn't happen here. But because of the like, you know, the prevalence and of like now how mad mass shootings are starting to happen around the country, it actually feels a lot like that. Oh, like no, it, we and are. That's just my that's my opinion. It, it like people can disagree with me. I'm not saying you have no. to agree with what I'm saying. I'm just it's not even I'm saying like, that violence uh, feels very similar in the same type yeah. of savagery that people tend to try to label third world countries with. That that, that savagery feels the same here in terms of mass shootings. And what's but crazy is that I think. I think New Zealand has called us a third world country. They have. There are other countries who look at us and say that we are a third world country because of the way how ass backwards we are. And honestly, we are. And I'm sure someone's going to be like, that's not true. We have rights. Who rights does that protect? (laughs) Like, really think about it. You know, we may not be as strict as like, you know, what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in like, you know, other countries or like Colombia or anywhere else. It may not be yes that bad, but it's getting there. It's slowly getting there. We haven't gone to the point where we're not allowed to be who we are. Granted, it does happen in the DL because people still want to be all like clench my pearls. Like, oh my God, I just passed a gay person. Oh, my pearls. Like, oh my God, I passed a black person. Oh, I got to clench my pearls in my purse. Like, calm the fuck down. It's not that serious. You know, we haven't gotten there yet, but the way other countries look at us, we are no different. We are no different. It's, it's, it may not be as terrible or drastic or horrific, but it's, it's, still, it's still, yeah, it's still getting there. We are getting there. We can't be ignorant to it. And if you want to be ignorant to it, that, that's your business. Be ignorant. Stay in denial of it. But you can't deny the fact that this is happening in real time everywhere, especially here as well. Because there are people yeah. who want to leave the states. <laughs> oh no, for sure. Shit, I'm one of the people. Yeah, I was like legit one of them people who like when people was like, "Oh, if Trump gets elected, I'm leaving." I ain't going to Twitter and say that. I started looking up how you can actually leave, and I realized some aspects of the process were extremely ridiculous. And I was like, "Shit, this ain't like a let me just book a flight and I'm out type shit. Like this is a a legit process. Like this is a lot yeah. of work to like try to actually leave." And but I, I you know, as Jackie X just said. I <laughs> I agree <laughs> with Jackie just said 100%. Like it's I think that and I think that's the thing about um 
this movie that was interesting to me was like seeing some of that violence of even though this movie isn't like this movie isn't drenched in violence which i think is makes it really interesting and i think that's also why some people might be like this isn't as scary as i thought it's like the movie's not drenched in violence at all uh but the movie heavily alludes to the consequences of violence and mm-hmm. uh because of some of that i started to think about how things manifest here because i think exactly what jackie jackie is saying about how um about how things over here are looking similar to like the the sentiments that people say about their world countries like it's looking like that in america i just think the way it's manifesting here is differently and that's probably why people don't see the similarity and that's the scary mm-hmm. part because when the same problems can manifest in new ways people start to think about people don't really see the changes they'll be like well it's not that and it's like but it could be that but it's not it, it probably is that it's not in the way that you picture that like you picture i feel like generally when people think of third world countries Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when people generally think of those, think of countries that like have quote unquote savage and all that. They picture like I don't know a bunch of bunch of kids in like a, a classroom, and then someone explicitly just decides I'm going to kill all of them, and then just does that. Like that's what people I feel like generally picture. Just kind of like on, in some ways unregulated violence and uncivilized and violence. Like, I feel like that's the general. What'd you say? And being poor, like yeah, having nothing, like, like literally being poor and starving. They that's like like not advanced technology advanced exactly. knowledge from people think oh third world country they don't have what we have and it's just like no there are countries that you think are third world countries that they have the same things that we have tech wise you know yeah, investment sure. wise education wise i mean it may be different yes but yeah I think, and, and it's it's funny you say that about how like people don't see the difference that it is scary and the example is where there are certain countries where it's you can't be gay you will die for being gay in certain countries. You will literally yeah, some places, be killed. You be killed. You be stoned. You be like broken, like cut up in parts. Use an example, and people are like, oh my god, that's terrible. I can never happen here. We do have hate crimes here against gay people, which still happens. All gay people, the whole LGBTQ community, have been crying about it, have been yelling about it since like the eighties, seventies, and it still happens here. The same thing with dress codes. In some countries, you cannot show skin if you are a woman. It's against the religion. It's against the culture. You will literally be either prosecuted or killed or whatever. Again, that doesn't happen here. That can never happen here. Then why are you dictating to women and, and girls, oh, don't wear skirts because you attract men. Yeah, don't exactly. Don't wear leggings because you attract this. Don't wear tank tops when it's hot because you're going to attract this. You're going to attract that. You're doing the same thing. You may not yeah. prosecute me or kill me but sometimes women are killed for that oh she looked fine and said no so i killed her oh she looked so beautiful i asked her up but she said no so i killed her that does happen may not be the same way it happens elsewhere it happens the same yeah. way it is for being a person of color there are some countries that whew, whew, just being black alone you cannot be yeah, that doesn't you, happen you two, here in the wrong spot yep but there doesn't. Well, we still got here. sundown town here. We exactly. still got sundown town. We still <laughs> so it does have sundown town. <laughs> we still have sundown towns. There is still racism. There's still hate crimes that happen against anyone who has melanin. So yeah, it please just manifests stop being ignorant about it. And I think the the woman one is a perfect example of how something manifests differently because as where people look at some countries or like some country particularly like you know probably more of a muslim faith they have like maybe actual like written laws about how women may women should function in society america doesn't explicitly 
have written laws about how women should suffer and how should women should uh function in society but it mm-hmm. it like so socially <laughs> they're clearly rules they're just not written on paper but socially there are clearly rules about how how the how the people of this, this country want want and expect women to work you know right like there's a reason we know the term barefoot and pregnant there's a reason we you know an, a proper woman a, a god-fearing woman like there's a reason these terms exist right like they're all alluding to a very specific behavior that they want to want to enact like these behaviors are not written down on paper there's no law somewhere that says women have to wear skirts of eight inches i mean like of eight feet or whatever or like you know fucking leg length dresses there's no laws that say that but clearly socially there is some in the social aspect of it could be on in a lot of ways far more dangerous than anything written on paper so yeah that there is some level of like oppression there and some level of like how that stuff manifests so that is a perfect perfect comparison you just made there so uh i'm following jackie into the revolution <laughs> oh yeah i'm ready i've been ready i've been ready i'm like totally ready watch me save this and then i'm killed right away like she's part of the problem no. she's gonna do it she's gonna take over i'm gonna take her out so if you don't hear me for a while, guys, the, the government took me out. I'm just saying. They, they, they did it. I'm a free spirit of speaker. They're like, no, nope, she's, she's a danger to us. She's a danger to us. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, 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 no, it's amazing how these, uh, how these things connect. Of course, as the movie already alludes to these being real life things, and the director, when writing this stuff, actually, you know, got to talk to real refugees to see, hear about some of the things that they have to go to to take journeys to whatever country they end up in. So it's, it is props interesting to, him, to see how these things kind of connect. Props for huh? him for doing that. Like, big yeah, word. props to him for doing that. Yeah, because he could have easily tried to make up some, you know, some, like, really unrealistic story. We'd kind of been like, all right, cool, I guess it is what it is. But, you know, the weight of this movie is the emotional depth. Like, that's what makes this movie good, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. the, there is a little bit of jump scare aspects of some parts of it. But, like, I, in my personal opinion, what makes this movie as memorable as it is, is, like, the emotional weight of, like, what the characters endured prior and then the supernatural stuff, just like um, Rael said, the supernatural stuff almost feels less scarier in comparison to the things they actually dealt with. Because yep. they're being shown what they've dealt with. And the movie is like, man, the movie's visually beautiful for like having two dark-skinned leads. And I'm mentioning that because we know there are a lot of people who don't know how to, do not know how to fucking light or use cameras with dark-skinned people. This, these people look great. Mm. Like they, look, they look great on camera. They're, they're legible. I mean, they're visible in the dark and during the day. So clearly, they knew what they was doing with the camera work. The movie's beautiful. My favorite scene, actually, when you're talking about good scenes, was the fucking dinner table scene when he's sitting there eating and he didn't realize the environment around him changed. Like the camera just slowly starts panning out. You see a piece of the wall that that is like of the kitchen, and then you just start seeing like the wall, the sky just looks like a like a grim red, and everything just looks more bleak. And he's so focused on eating and trying to use the knife, which he clearly is not using properly because this man did not grow up in a country that used forks and knives. So he's not even using the knife properly. He's just like using both as like a weird stabbing function. And you can tell he's slightly frustrated just with how things are going in general. So he's like taking that out in his food. But the camera's just like beautifully and slowly panning back. And you see like this whole like, it's like basically out in the fucking ocean. But he doesn't realize it until he hears a noise and looks up and just realizes he is just like out here. Like he's literally basically on an island. <laughs> he went from his mm-hmm. kitchen to an island. And then, like, all of his, like, people who pass and then make it in the water start climbing out of the water and grab it. Like, that scene was the shit. Like, I think that was the first scene I remember when I first saw this movie because I was just like, yo, that was just so visually pretty. 
Yeah. Well, my other favorite scene is the ending. Like, the actual ending is when they finally make amends with what had happened. They fix the house. They finally come to terms. And then, you know, as they see their daughter, well, not really the daughter, the um, Nyakak, like, when they finally see her, I love how it pans from her, then back to, you know, the husband and wife, and then pans back to her again. But this time, it's with the people they lost at sea. They travel. And then it pans back to Rayal and Bo, and you see the survivors. And it's not just them; it's every shade that comes yeah, everybody from immigration that's, that's that's immigrating. Yeah, like I love that scene so much because it just it like it it takes a nod to like those who are lost during the process, and then those who mm-hmm. make it. I love the way he ended it that way. Like that was just so visually beautiful like i remember the first time i saw that i fucking cried like i just cried so much with that scene because again like this movie yes it comes up as a supernatural film but it's about ptsd it's about survival's guilt you know and you can only imagine how many of the refugees who comes into any country that has that they're still traumatized by that like why am i here and they're not like, I could only imagine, because for someone who has mental illness, I always have survival's guilt. But for me, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, my survival guilt is different. But for that, like, uh, again, like, this movie was just so fucking smart. You know, it is, and I love how there's an article who said the how, again, we always go back to it, because it's true. If it wasn't for <laughs> fucking Jordan Peele, we would not have these movies. <laughs> we would not have these movies. Because, yeah. like, uh, they called it social thriller. And that's what it is. It's social thriller. It's a movie about, this, like, human life, human living, social commentary in a horror aspect. And then another line from the article I read was, like, to find the scariest monster, we need look no further than the human demon. And it's so yeah. true. Because Jordan Peele does that. Guillermo del Toro is notorious for that. Mm-hmm. He's notorious for that. And it's just like, it's just such a fucking good movie. Like, ugh. I, I didn't yeah, calm down, otherwise, it would take another hour to talk about how much I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it, it is good. It's really good. And I know I always I joke sometimes on him about Jordan Pill. I'd be like, yeah, he was the first person to ever make a black horror movie. Like, I like joking about that. Cause, you, know, <laughs> since, you know, sometimes it takes, even though a million other people do something, sometimes it takes that one person to break through. And he was the dude to break through, which is, I'm sure, why a lot of people get opportunities now. And even uh, the director for this one. Mentioned he's sure that's why he's got the opportunity because studios kind of look at, you know, people, non-white people who make horror movies a little differently now. And they look at the horror genre a little bit differently now. You know, horror has become a lot more profitable over the past few decades. Like, it's been a lot, like, it's always been profitable for, like, us fans who are already, like, fans of the genre. But for the, Mm -hmm. for people who were, like, you know, standoffish about it for one reason or another, it's become profitable to them now, too. People I know who were never interested in horror start recommending films to me, sending trailers to me for stuff. It's just like it's a it's a part of the process and yeah Jackie's right they can, social thriller is a is a nice term I'm I ain't got a problem with that but uh yeah we can take these this is the genre to talk about these type of things and to tell these interesting stories and uh this movie does that in a great way and that and yeah that ending man the ending for this movie hits right in the feels I cried like I pretty much spent the last ten minutes just crying while watching the movie <laughs> like I'm just sitting there with that station like I love this movie <laughs> but the shit makes me feel a lot. <laughs> And I'm just crying because it's like I'm I'm not an immigrant. I didn't well at least not in the sense of like traveling to another country. Like 
as I've already hinted, mentioned on the show before, like there is proof in my family that like I have family members who were a part of slavery. So that is a part of my story in one way or another. But um, I, I didn't immigrate to America or anything like that. So I don't have that story, but I can connect on a human level to like to mm-hmm. like, you know, tragedy and loss, whether you dealt with stuff like that. And then, you know, like the line where he said about ghosts follow you, just that stuck with me as well, because it just made me think about, you know, just life and, you know, people that I've lost, people, loved ones that I've lost, um, you know, mm-hmm. and I just go, yeah, they do stick with me. Like I think about things that maybe a parent that passed said to me or a family member that passed said to me. And I'm just like, it, it's a, a bit of a mantra in my life. And it's a mantra for a reason, because I know the person was coming from a place of care and they weren't trying to li- limit my upward mobility. They were just trying to help me. So they do stick with you. Like the people you lose do stick with you. The people you become friends with and your community do stick with you. And uh, at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, community is really all we have as people. Like, you know, mm-hmm. humans, we always have some level of tribalism. And this movie hints at that because there always will be some level of tribalism. Hell, hell, in Africa, everybody black. There's still some level of tribalism because there's not the racism of people being different colors. There's the tribalism of what I belong to this group, belong to that group, which is just natural and human nature and all. And, and all. So, but at the end of the day, people are seeking community. That's just what it is. It's, you're seeing community more than anything else, whether it's through friendships, whether it's the interest of like loving horror, like we all do. Like everyone's seeking community and identity and community in their community. So, and then that in some ways could become a ghost to you as well. Whether you lose people Ooh. within the communities that you love, <laughs> or you have Most Jackie go, though. Now I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm it's getting like, heavy. Damn. Yeah, I'm just like, damn, Kingdom. <laughs> I was like, oh, I felt that. Bars. Sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that, that's that's what we really got at the end of the day, man. I was telling one of my friends the other day when I was, we were talking about video games, and I was telling him why certain games just don't resonate with me. And he was just like, I don't get it, dude. And I was like, you know, you got to realize, man, what everything we do as a human, and I, re- I realized this a while ago from just reading books and stuff like that and some of the things I indulge with, everything we do as a human being is to find some sense of community and some sense of identity. And whether that identity is through interest, through uh, appearance, through something visual, through something verbal, language, whatever it is, like we're all seeking community and identity. And just knowing that changed the way I interact with things that I interact with. Like it changes the way why I love horror. It changes why I like the things I like. We're looking for community and identity. Whether well, something identifiable to us or something that is improving you as a person. Like that's what we're all seeking at the end of the day. And some of the saddest people can't find community, and that's really sad because we're all here just to create community. <laughs> that's what we're here for. So find your tribe, and don't harm wow. other people who aren't yours. <laughs> yes, but wow, that was really well said. Look at look at Kendall. Look at Kendall with his. Dumps. Thank you. Wow. I will now revert back to dumb Kendall because that's all I got for twenty twenty three. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, um, <laughs> yes, his house is Netflix exclusive. Um, so yes. that's where we watched it. You can watch it on there again. It's such a beautiful movie. Prepare yourself because again, it deals with a lot of PTSD. It deals with like survival guilt. It's, you know, maybe some traumatic for some people, which is totally fine. You know, if it's too much for you, you can always like read about it. That's what sometimes I do. With certain films I can't watch. I just read. I just read the yeah. whole plot. I'm just like, okay, I get it. Um. <laughs> No, serious. I do be doing that because <laughs> there's some movies oh, I, I cannot you. watch. Um, but yeah, and how we're starting off Black History Month with his house. So 
Hope you guys take care of yourself. Black History Month is every day, 365 days. Facts, bars. Literally, yes. Every day, every hour, every second. Um, and yeah. Until next time, who are you? Ghost the dogs.